stumbled onto the sleeping giant. Let's broaden our minds. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Sleeping Giant podcast. I'm your host, Grayson Parker Marcotte, and I'd like to say thank you for joining me once more. This is our second episode of the year, and I'm more than happy to say that we started off strong. Our X-Men episode, which kicked off the new year, has been pretty well received, I think. We've gotten a lot of compliments and a lot of positive feedback, so again, thank you for listening. We had a lot of fun making that episode, as I know that we've mentioned before. We had so much fun that we're actually going to revisit the X-Men next month in our next episode, but we will get to that. In the meantime, and in this episode, we're going to touch on last year's Into the Spider-Verse. Granted, that was only two months ago, December 2018, but as you know, or maybe you don't know, it is now 2019, so whatever. We've got Mr. Rob Banks of the Red Cup Review on the show as well, and we're going to talk to Rob about the weird and wonderful world of high-end action figure collecting. And we might even get him to tell us a little bit about his recent visit to New York Toy Fair. I guess we'll just have to see. Finally, we're going to uh, we're going to touch on the Star Wars prequels in a way that you may not expect, at least not from this show. So, y'all go ahead and get comfy, because we are about to begin. Okay, here we go, y'all. There is something I want to get off my chest. In fact, it's something I've wanted to say for a while now, and there is no better time or place, I think, than this month's podcast. I'd like to say, on the subject of Star Wars prequels, <laughs> I know, we're going back there. On the subject of Star Wars prequels, I wanted to say that I am over it. I've I've come to realize what, with all the negativity surrounding fandom, particularly Star Wars, that it's just not worth hanging on to. I think as maybe as I've gotten older, I've, it's become clear to me what may have gone down with the production of these films. And I think it humanizes Lucas more than it demonizes him, because I know I've given the dude a hard time for a while now. Specifically, I think of Lucas as an idea man still, a pioneer and an explorer of dreams. To his credit, he's damned fine and probably still one of the best at what he does in the realm of ideas. These are my thoughts, of course. I could be totally wrong. It's it's all speculation. Um, with the original trilogy, it's fairly clear that Lucas was met with a number of checks and balances, bringing, bringing his noggin out of the, the nebulous, perhaps, Tabana-like clouds of idea and onto a level where credible, albeit fantastical, films could be made. To this day, I watch the OT with fondness, but also perhaps with a more objective eye. There is plenty of cheese, and there is plenty of camp. Still, I, I do believe that they're fine films, and for me, they withstand the test of time. Simply put, I think that by the time the prequels went into production, Lucas had more money than God, 
and an influence so reaching that his employees and or collaborators were either too afraid or too sycophantic to suggest the aforementioned checks and balances. Again, these are thoughts and attitudes based on my observations, and I understand that it's pure conjecture. Still, I maintain that objectively, the prequels are not good films, but that's okay. I I don't want to beat a dead horse. I know a lot of the stuff that I just said has been said before many, many times. I just, I want to get it out of the way. I want to clear my thought process. So just so that we all understand where I'm coming from now on this one. I don't appreciate Lucas at that particular point in his career, the prequel era, but I no longer blame him and I'm not angry about it. I know that there are a handful of Star Wars fans that maintain a sort of water off a duck's ass smoothness about how, quote unquote, they're just movies, chill, bro. And hey, that's fine too, because they're correct. They are just movies. I do want to point out, however, that many of us have more or less shaped our lives around the existence of these movies in one way or another, so there is that point to consider. Anyhow, it's not my intention to uh, measure lightsaber blade lengths here or generate a no true Alderanian fallacy. No, that's, that's not what I'm trying to do. I just want to say that I'm overhating the prequels. Even in slight jests, it's just too poison and too negative, and we as fans really do need to start building each other up again. And um, in the name in the name of this thing that we profess to love so much, we we need to start actually loving it again, and you know, and and being fans with one another and not against one another. So, like any long and meandering saga, or collection of fictitious works, Star Wars is going to have its ups and downs. It's going to have its high points and its low points. Anyone who has ever read a large sampling of the expanded universe, now legends, anyone who's read those books can tell you that. As um, my uh, my friend Neil Hamburger might say, they can't all be zingers. And that's an absolute fact, I think. What's more, I've had an especially good time reading Marvel's newest series of Star Wars one-shots titled, uh, or entitled, I should say, Age of Republic, which offers glimpses into the machinations and motives of prequel-era characters. The The books don't necessarily reframe or recontextualize the prequels like, say, that, uh, that godsend of animated television programming, The Clone Wars, but they, they are fun reads. And I would recommend them to anyone who enjoys Star Wars and or comics. I've said pretty much all I have to say, I reckon, on on these points. I am sorry for hassling you, George, and I do forgive you. And it's just, it's time to move on. Okay, y'all, that said, it's time to let this ship fly where it will, as they say. I, I don't know, do they say that? I'm not sure. Um, whatever. So... So, so, you know, so what if, uh, so what if Disney wants to go this way or that, just let it ride. Um, you know, if we don't like a writer or a director's choices, so what? So what if Disney wants to reframe in animated fashion, key moments of the trilogy so that today's kids or kids may, who may have been ostracized or otherwise marginalized in the past, you know, what if they're reframed in such a way that gives them a introduction 
into this Star Wars thing, you know, that thing that we all claim to cherish. I think that is nothing but a good thing. Anyway, I've said my piece. Onward! I didn't think that I was going to get an opportunity to talk about Into the Spider-Verse on the show since it was released in mid-December of 2018, but it has become such a tremendous part of my life over the past couple of months that we're going to go ahead and revisit that. Initially, I was happy that a new Spider-Man movie was coming out when I had first discovered that they were making the film. I was enamored by the animation style also when I first laid eyes on that. Still, I was kind of lukewarm to Miles Morales because, frankly, I just didn't know him. When Miles was introduced to Marvel Comics, I still hadn't come back to superhero books. And if truth be told, I hadn't returned to Spider-Man at all. Or I haven't returned to Spider-Man all, I should say. I think I bought the first issue of Spectacular a couple of years ago and then Amazing um, a handful of months ago. But I'm just not feeling the Spider-Books right now. But that's that's neither here nor there. Either way, I had resolved to see this film, and when we saw the preview attached to the Venom film, my daughter was completely sold on the idea of Into the Spider-Verse. So we weren't necessarily burning to see it, as it were, but when it came out, we took a very casual approach to going to see it, you know, like you do. It was just a, a fun family outing, and there are always events in themselves, but there wasn't the same sort of anticipation buzzing around us as, say, with a new Star Wars movie, or something from the Wizarding World. In retrospect, that's pretty amusing, actually, because I came away from Into the Spider-Verse a changed person. I felt then and still feel that Into the Spider-Verse is the best Spider-Man film to date. I think that it's kind of hard for me to pin down everything that I loved about the movie in a neat package, so I'll start with the most apparent thing, at least to me, and that was the utterly striking visual aesthetic the film possesses. It was like watching an infinitely more dynamic comic book, and there were several instances in which I was literally agape, specifically in the action sequences between Miles and the Prowler. That whole scene, that whole sequence was tremendous. Uh, I loved it so much. Second, I find the near-flawless adaptation of a very basic hero's journey um, where Miles is the brainy and artistically inclined kid, but by all other accounts, sort of a nobody, and he's granted miraculous powers and given the call to adventure by a dying Peter Parker in the form of his, uh, his goober. Yeah, if you haven't seen the movie, you should probably do so, so that that's properly contextualized, um, but that is totally what happened. Nonetheless, he's he's at a loss with himself, Miles is, with the death of his potential teacher, uh, Spider-Man. Spoilers. Um, Miles has bestowed the gift of his true mentor and an aged and an emotionally embittered Peter Parker from an alternate dimension or an alternate Spider-Verse, as it were. So there are, of course, challenges and revelations, etc. But you gals and guys can probably guess all of that. Um, Most importantly are the various versions and incarnations of the webbed hero, including the very cool and very much alive Gwen Stacy as Spider-Gwen. At the heart of Into the Spider-Verse is an utterly charming retelling of the Spider-Man story, and it features a cast of far more diverse characters than the ones 
that have existed in, in sort of a stasis for decades. And I'm sorry, you know, no matter how many times you clone Pete, he's still a white kid from Queens. And that's a point I think that dovetails rather nicely into my previous rant about Star Wars on this episode. These stories are so incredibly cool. And I think they're only better for having evolved enough to be accessible to so many new fans and so many more fans. Fandom is only ever enriched by its growth and not at all by the opposite of that. There are pockets of haters out there, sure, but that's a fact of life not exclusive to fandom. I mean, if it were a perfect world, I think for starters, I'd be friends with fucking Tony Stark and all five of the Astari. So... So there's that. Even having said all of this, the most brilliant thing about Into the Spider-Verse is how far in love my daughter has fallen with with the film. It has opened her mind to all sorts of visual possibilities with her drawings, and it's it's given her characters that she admires and that she relates to, I think. Into the Spider-Verse has also made her curious about some of the really ambiguous scenarios of everyday life and how sometimes what's right and wrong aren't always so easily distinguished from one another. And for lack of a better way to put it, it's been kind of challenging to me as a parent to eloquently and clearly demystify some of these things for her, but it's been enriching for us both. And I think that we've, we've had a lot of fun exploring the characters and, and reenacting some of the scenes is one of our favorite things to do. Finally, I think that my daughter and I play our own version of Into the Spider-Verse at least every other night where she's invented one of her own spider personas, Ghost Spider-Kid, which which is just awesome to me. And so she'll interact with my portrayal of a rotating cast of characters, including Miles Morales and sometimes even Spider-Gwen. So while this hasn't necessarily been my first go at pretending to be a lady folk, it is my first time as an Afro-Hispanic teen from New York, so I think I'm doing all right. And as of now, I've got Miles Morales, Ben Riley, that's Scarlet Spider, Peter B. Parker, Gwen Stacy, Dr. Octavia, Venom, Reed Richards, Spider-Man Noir, and I think that's actually it so far. I may have played Kurt Connors in a symbiote adventure, but I don't recall right offhand. We do have fun, though, and I absolutely love it. It's a little hard on the joints sometimes, but it's amazing. I'll I'll pick her up and support her weight as she springs from wall to wall in a sort of (laughs) spastic parkour. Um, We've gotten pretty pretty good at it, though. Um, At the the horizontal wall run, especially, is something that she's gotten really good at, and, you know, I found a nice balance. So we're, we're both really proud of that. Into the Spider-Verse has done a lot for me. It's done a lot for me and my kiddo, and I'm grateful that we had the opportunity to enjoy it together. I really hope that that's one of those memories that she has and will have going forward and and always look back upon with fondness. So we're all of us, my wife, um, my kiddo, and myself, we're looking forward to the Blu-ray release on March 19th, and I will be buying it first thing. After that, it's just an exercise in patience to get home from work and throw it on the old tube, where it will probably play on repeat for a long while to come. I can't even conceive of a universe where that's not inevitable. 
All right, y'all, that magical time is once more upon us. Episode 2, Volume 2 of the Sleeping Giant Podcast is about to get a whole lot better thanks to our special guest, Mr. Rob Banks of the Red Cup Review. Rob runs a completely spot-on YouTube channel whereon he shares his love of popular culture and demonstrates an especially keen knowledge and affinity for larger-scale premium action figures, which totally blows me away. So let's go ahead and jump on in that conversation and see what Mr. Banks had to say. Hey, Rob, you there? Yeah, what's going on, man? Oh, not much, not much. Just uh, another another beautiful Saturday morning. Yeah, man. Uh, too bad the Saturday mornings aren't as beautiful as they used to be when you used to wake up and have the X-Men cartoons and the you know all the uh, Saturday morning cartoons we had when we were growing up. I mean, those were real Saturday mornings. That's true. That well, they're in my head at the very least, and if they're not in my head, they're in my heart. That's right. I, I try to maintain that. <laughs> good call. Good call. Oh, um, Rob, thank you so much for for being here today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. This is freaking awesome. I can't tell you. Uh, you know, I've been chomping at the bit to get on your podcast for a little while now. I think it's fun as hell. I think the last episode you guys did was great. Uh, I'm just really happy to be here, and you know, obviously, get awesome. the name of the uh, Red Cup review out there for everybody. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, let's get this thing rolling. You are a collector of uh, many things from what I've come to understand and gather about you, um, but it seems like you're gravitating a little bit more these days towards action figures. Is that uh, would that be a true statement? Yeah, pretty accurate. I, I, you know, it's funny the the whole idea behind like what a collector is. I see a lot of people online that are like, oh, I collect a certain thing and I got to collect them all, right? Like be all in, like is what parts of the community say. And I kind of just collect what I like. If there's something that I like, I'm getting it. I'm not an all in type guy. I'm not the type of guy that has to collect every single figure in a certain action figure line or um, like, like take Hot Toys, for example, with like their Avengers line. Like I'm only, I don't need to get every Avenger. I'm just going to get the ones that I like, you know? That goes for everything. Sure. Yeah, there is kind of a one of the many facets of collecting I found is the uh, the completionist attitude or the completionist sect, and I that's the one that'll break you right there. So I I'm totally backing that. You gotta you gotta pick what you like and stick to it. Yeah, you know the the there's nothing wrong with being a completionist. If you have the room for it, that's cool. To me, it's more about. Uh, like it, you collect what you like and not have to worry about what the next guy's doing or I have to have every single one of them like do I really need a $250 Hawkeye figure unless I'm the world's biggest Hawkeye fan no I don't um, you know what I mean like it's just you know but to each their own you know what I'm saying plus to me it's always a matter of uh, of space more than anything like I'll always have, like, Hot Toys are expensive. That's kind of, like, what I focus mainly my collection on. Uh, I do mm-hmm. Hot Toys. I do um, Mezco 112 Collective. And I kind of keep trying to narrow down, narrow, narrow, narrow my uh, my collecting down to be as, as streamlined as possible. And to me, it's more about the real estate. Like, if there's an expensive figure that's, let's say, uh, a $250 or $300 uh, Hot Toy or action figure or statue or whatever it is, I'll find the money to get that. Like a lot of people are like, oh, I can't afford the higher end stuff because they're too busy mm-hmm. buying, you know, the full set of Marvel Legends or two or three Marvel Legends sets or Black uh, Star Wars Black Series figures, which will cost you in the long run the same amount uh, as, as a, a Hot Toy figure. I'd rather have one of a high end figure than like 20 or 30, not even, it's like at this point, it's like 10 or 15, uh, $25 action figures. And um, sure. I think it makes for a cleaner look, too. Like, I'm all about trying to keep my, my collection as clean and as streamlined as possible. Some people are like, oh, well, you have this character. How come you don't have that one? And it's like, well, 
even if it's a character or a figure that I really like, because let's face it, a lot of these things nowadays, and these companies are putting out really excellent stuff, real quality, and um, mm-hmm. I won't. I'll, I'll get. I'll either have it for a little bit and sell it. Or I'll see how it fits on my collection. If it doesn't fit, no matter how much I like it, it's got to go. I bought the um, that Nightmare uh, Batman from the Hot Toys from the Batman vs Superman collection, and the Nightmare Batman was just mm-hmm. it was a dynamite figure. I mean, it's Batman meets Mad Max for Christ's sakes. And uh, I'm looking at it in my collection, and I'm I'm like, yo, this figure is one of the nicest and most dynamite figures I have. But then I'm looking at everything else, the way it fits in my cabinets on the wall, and I'm like, all right, who's the odd man out? It's the Batman. He's got to go. So it's like it doesn't matter how much I personally like it. I also like to have a little bit of uniformity and kind of like uh, everything's got to kind of fit and have its place. And if it doesn't, it's got to go. I can definitely dig that. That's actually an excellent piece of advice out there or I rather I should say you guys out there that's that's that is hugely important and I think I learned a tremendous amount just in these past few seconds because I that's definitely something that I struggle with sounds like your collection is is sort of uh always evolving to be the best that it can be pretty much I mean that's uh, uh another thing is I feel as though that uh I and I have a few people that um I know to just collect and they just keep collecting and collecting and that's cool look if you got the room and if you like just having everything, that's fine. Personally, for me, when I see these giant hot toy collections or even, um, it could be anything, Marvel Legends or whatever, and there's just like a thousand figures on a shelf or like they have, mm-hmm. uh, like Ikea makes these uh, these Detolf, um, or Detolf, however you say it, uh, uh, cabinets. And they have like, if you have more than two or three at the max per shelf for like a 12 inch figure, it just starts to look mm-hmm. cluttered. It looks messy. Right. To me, I'd rather have the figure stand out and, and kind of pop and show on its own as opposed to getting like sure. kind of mixed in the crowd, like lost in the crowd kind of, you know? Oh, absolutely. I know some of the collections that impress me the most sort of fall on either side of the spectrum. There is the, the sort of minimalist approach that we're talking about now. And then on the other side of that, I've seen these sprawling collections where normally I would be turned off by them. However, I'm assuming that whoever owns them has the resources to provide an aesthetic and sort of curate that collection so that it is not an eyesore or cluttered, as you mentioned. And those those uh, tend to be pretty impressive, at least to my mind. So I guess it can go either way. And, and again... Um, you know, resources, I think, are your <laughs> your number one priority when it comes to, to that sort of collection. Unless, of course, that's like the best room in your house or if that is your house and you sleep on the floor. Well, yeah, and, see, uh, there's you know, like I, I, I've seen people who have like apartments and like their whole place is just cluttered with stuff. Now, if it's done rightly, if it's if it's presented the correct way, it'll almost feel like you're walking into like a museum, you know. Uh, sure. Which is really nice. That's when you have like a, a guy who has a collection has a lot of stuff, but he knows how to di- or she knows how to display it in a way where it feels like you. It's like wow, like I can't believe I'm surrounded yeah. by all this crazy pop culture. And then there's the type of collection that's just all thrown up on a shelf. <laughs> and then that's like you know sometimes less is more in the case in that case you know right. No, absolutely. There is a. Uh... I think that I posted this on Instagram at one point, but there was a line from the show Orange is the New Black. I can't remember what they were talking about, but uh, Piper said something along the lines of, if you don't curate your shit, you're just a hoarder. Yeah. And that like, really leapt out at me. I was like, oh, fuck. So I'm going to have to do something about this now. And that's when the boxing and sorting really started. And, and I started um, 
started parting with a lot of pieces. So you've you've obviously grown and evolved a lot as a collector. How long would you say that you've been doing it? I started collecting back, like collecting seriously. Like I was always into action figures growing up. I had an older brother and I used to sneak into his room when I was a kid and, you know, mess with his toys and break <laughs> and take the latch off the door. You know, like everything I could to get into his room, you know, where mm-hmm. he had his G.I. Joe's set up. And um, back then there was, uh, uh, he had the the superpowers line, right? The, the uh, I believe it was Kenner or something like that had like the, the DC super, uh, superpowers was actually the name of the line, which is like my still to this day, like my favorite. Um, action figure line just because of the artwork that was on the back of the card that was done by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez and his mm-hmm. art is like really recognizable because it's on pretty much anything that's like been licensed through the 80s and early 90s through DC like on a mug or a t-shirt or something so anytime I think of right. my favorite characters which happen to be DC I think of his art so it takes me right back to the superpowers line so ever since I was a little kid there was a lot of toys in the house you know steal the older brother's toys obviously get a few from my own and from that you know, I just always grew up loving this stuff. Now, as far as actually growing up and becoming a collector, when Mattel did their uh, DC Universe Classics line, which was basically a callback to that Superpowers line, uh, when mm-hmm. it was sculpted, they were sculpted by the Four Horsemen, I believe. Um, I remember walking into Toys R Us and seeing that and being like, "Yo, multi-articulated Superpowers toys in six-inch form." And I, I you know, I, mm. at the time I was with my girlfriend, who's now my wife, and she was like, "Oh, we gotta buy like, you know, she's a she's not a collector, but she's into this stuff as well. Like, she she has a couple of Wonder sure. Woman statues yeah. and things like that. But she's very supportive of it. <laughs> That's awesome. She helps me with the YouTube channel and stuff too. So you know, she's not. This isn't something where she's like, "Oh my God, just just so much stuff in the house, I can't." So um, I bought a couple of sets of that, and then from that point on, I was into that. And then I got into Marvel Legends, and then eventually when, I think in 2009 when I saw the Hot Toys Christopher Reeve Superman, which to this day is the favorite piece of my collection, uh, mm. I was like, and my middle name is actually Christopher, so my mom was going to name me Christopher after Christopher Reeves from Superman. Oh, wow. And that became my middle name. My dad's name was Robert. So, you know, when she was, in, you know, basically in recovery, he just went and, you know, scribbled, you know, his name's Robert. So he put Robert on the thing, too, as opposed to my name being Christopher and all that. But so it's always, you know, hearing these stories from my parents and stuff, it always held a special place in my heart. Plus, I absolutely love the Christopher Reeve iteration of Superman. I think that's like the superhero ideal as far as movies go. And... um that so you were literally sort of born into the tradition. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it was that it mixed with, and then we can get into Star Wars too if you want, because that's another big thing. It's like superheroes and Star Wars are like the two biggest things for me. You know? <laughs> but um, so I got the Christopher Reeve Superman Hot Toy figure, and I actually got it as a gift for Christmas from my mother. Uh, back in 2009, I believe, or 2010, I think it was just turning 2010, something like that. Whenever it came out, and then from that it turned into the Michael Keaton Batman that came out with the with the. Jack Nicholson Joker and I was like well I'm a big Keaton fan like I'm just a dead a big I love Batman's mm-hmm. my favorite superhero but I'm just anything Michael Keaton does is pretty much you know gold to me so I got oh, that yeah. and the then, dude's amazing what at that point uh, my wife got pregnant with our son and I actually uh, we named him Grayson we actually named him after Robin after Dick Grayson so uh, he winded up getting all my DC Universe Classics figures, my Star Wars Black Series, the, the little bit that I had at the time, all my Marvel Legends. Mm-hmm. And then I says, you know what, eventually I'm going to have a house. Not then, of course. We were still in our apartment. And uh, I'm, I want to have like a, ni- a really, really nice high-end collection 
of stuff. So uh, that's when I just kind of turned to Hot Toys, and then the Mezco 112 Collective came out, and the rest is pretty much hit the ground running in history. So speaking of that history, um, I know that those things more or less tie directly into your program, the Red Cup Review. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that, if you don't mind. I don't know if all of our listeners are, are familiar with your program. Okay, so I run a YouTube page, basically, Instagram, Facebook, all that. It's all encompassing. It's called the Red Cup Review, and it's it's basically uh, comics, movies, video games, anything pop culture related, um, and, and uh, mostly action figure reviews. That's what kind of holds the channel down, but we also do a Saturday night uh, at 10 o'clock um, live show where we have like guest writers and artists on other YouTubers and we kind of just like talk about the week in pop culture review and stuff so that's basically the Red Cup review and it's like cliff note version uh, so to speak <laughs> yeah. I have to ask you how did you settle upon that name because when I see the Red Cup I'm reminded of certain and specific things um, and those certain and specific things were also uh, consumed from blue and yellow cups too. So I, I'm curious as to why red cup and not blue or yellow necessarily. All right. Well, at its most basic, let's just call it what it is. The red cup is a, it's a red solo cup, you know, and that reminds everybody. Now, this mm-hmm. isn't where the origin of the name came from, but it's also something that when most people see the red cup, red solo cup, they think of like keg parties, fun, uh, enjoyment, hanging out, getting drunk, you know, partying and stuff like that. So that at its most basic form, at least. You know, my crazy friends, that's what they think of when they see, you know, we're here, Red Cup, right? So then you have, sure. um, but that's not the origin of the Red Cup review. You see, back uh, back in about seven or about just around ah, eight yes. years ago, um, a little more, but about, about, about six and a half years ago, when my son was born, um, we used to sit around in my old apartment, my wife, uh, my best friend Baz, uh, shout outs to Baz, and myself used to sit around the table in the dining room and we used to talk shop. To basically do the Red Cup live that happens now on Saturday nights, we used to just do at my kitchen table over coffee or sharing beers or whatever. And um, we used to take my son and put him on a, a blanket in the middle of the table and lay him on the blanket in front of us so we would be able to hang out and just talk while he rolled around at like three months old, six months old on the blanket mm-hmm. in front of us, right, on the table. So when an infant is born, they could actually only see three colors. They could see black, white, and red. And in order to keep the baby, um, Grayson at the time, uh, kind of satisfied and happy, he would always like reach over at our red cups that we were drinking out of, and then we would just give him one, and he would chew on it and look at it in, in amazement. And we were like, "Yo, this kid only this is the first color he's seeing, right? <laughs> what is he playing the plot with? Thickens. He's playing with a red cup, right?" So as a joke, my wife had said, um, "I believe it was my wife. Uh, she used to make comments like, oh, your friends are always calling you to find out what movie you like, or they're always calling you to find out what kind of action, what, like, what's the cool new action figure? What do you think of this? What do you think of that?'" She was like, "So you should have your own show where you're like the Larry King of of action figures or something, <laughs> and uh, and just talk shop." She was like, "Instead of you having to have multiple conversations with all your friends till all hours of the day and night and all that," and then uh, she's like, "Yeah, and you should call it the Red Cup Review because." You, all you do is review stuff and talk about it, and Grayson's always playing with the red cup. And it was like a little table joke. And then years later, mm-hmm. um, it kind of evolved into a, a friend of mine asked me to start uh, reviewing for his site that was Geekstronomy. Uh, he would go to like cons and get stuff from like uh, DC collectibles and stuff like that. And he's like, yo, I need stuff for the for the website. I can't really cover everything. 
So he would send me things, I would review it. That's kind of where that started, and then it kind of just spiraled out into, oh, I'll wow. just make my own YouTube page, you know, and whatever. So, you know, that's where that... Ladies and gentlemen, that is an origin story. <laughs> that is that is a damn fine tale. I mean, you know, we all, we all have names, and we all have things that we want to pick out to represent us, or our quote-unquote brand, or whatever. But, I mean, that, that is particularly endearing. I know, I appreciate I know that. the story's a little long-winded, as it tends to be, but I kind of, when someone asks me, got to wheel them back in time to kind of give them the full scope mm-hmm. of, like, what the hell's up with Red Cup? Like, I, I, when I first mentioned it to my friends, they're like, oh, you're going to be sitting there drinking? And doing like action figure and comic mm-hmm. reviews while you get drunk, that's kind of cool. Um, you know, because at the time when I started this, it was like drunk history was popular. And sure. uh, there was a guy that used to do a show called Wine About It, where he would drink wine, this comedian, and then go on Facebook and, and talk about all kinds of things that bothered him. <laughs> and uh, I was like, yo, I don't really, it's, I'm not really about getting drunk. Like, yeah, who doesn't like to get a little twisted once in a while? But at the same time, this is more about like it actually or- originates from my son playing with a red solo cup as an infant, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with us. That that's definitely one for the books, as it were. Um, I know with uh, you know having talked about Hot Toys and then having mentioned um, the Marvel Legends and um, the DC lines, they all sort of share a commonality, and that is the number six. So whether that be a one sixth scale figure or a six inch figure, um, I was hoping that what we could do is kind of for some of uh, us who may not know the difference and uh, are looking into navigate the field of collecting action figures but don't necessarily know when to start I know that sometimes the question is asked well what's the difference between a six inch figure and a one sixth scale figure I, because I know a lot of times you're just looking at the ratio one six you know without the word scale being there and without that context you don't really think about it so you know so someone asking what what is that difference how would you explain that to them Basically, one sixth scale, to the best of my knowledge, represents one sixth in my head, at least. I think this is pretty accurate. The scale of an average size human, right? So if it's one sixth, right. it's one sixth the size, right? So a six scale figure is normally twelve inches. That's like Hot Toys sideshow. Um, you know, there's other companies like QMX and stuff. Anybody that does a twelve inch basically statue or action figure, it's one sixth scale. Now, a six inch action figure is actually one twelfth scale. Obviously, you know. Uh, half of uh, uh, wait that would be twelve yeah one twelfth the size right of a of an average human I I guess but then again hey search me I'm I'm no I'm no math whiz I'm not I know it's not exactly I know it's not exact <laughs> numbers I mean like if your average I, I'm sure the average height of a person isn't six or six one or six two I mean I'm not that tall right um and most of the people I know I guess fall around like you know five nine five ten so um but I know it's a little taller than that so it's a ballpark figure right so you have your one six scale which is twelve inch you have your one twelfth scale which is six inch and then the one eighteenth scale is actually I believe it's the three and three fourths inch kind of like the GI Joe. Uh, size basically. So whenever you see like one eighteenth, mm. it's roughly around the size of a GI Joe. Um, and then you know, Hot Toys obviously one sixth, and then your six inch Marvel Legends DC figure. Uh, and then there are other companies now that are trying to do like one tenth scale and one eighth scale. It's just ridiculous and redundant to me personally. I don't care how nice your figure looks or how great it is, if it's not uh, three and three fourths inch. Six inch or twelve inch. I'm not even looking at it. Like uh, over at the con this past week at the con, the toy fair, 
Hasbro mm-hmm. and Vail, they have like their Black Series line, right? So now they're trying to do like their hyper real line where they're 8 inch to 10 inch action figures. Right. Like, and they're trying to compete with Hot Toys or with Mezco or something like that where they're doing like real cloth outfits. But the figure's 8 inches. And I'm like, I'm not going to reinvest in a whole new scale. Like I said, as far as like, if all you're going to do is collect those new hyper real figures, that would look cool. But I want my figures to look kind of uniformed. I mean, I'm not the type of dude that can't sure. step on cracks when he walks down the street, you know, or has to touch the the light switch three or four times before I walk out of the house but I do like a little bit of like uniformity to my collection right well I I, I've mentioned before and I can't remember if it was on this show or another one that I I think as collectors we all suffer from uh, (laughs) slight psychosis exactly Um, it may not may not be extreme but uh, if 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 you collect in any capacity it's probably present uh, at least to a slight degree. So I'm glad you mentioned the New York Toy Fair because I definitely want to talk about that. Um, but before we move on, I just want to make sure that we've got that down. So your six-inch figure obviously is a six-inch figure, six inches, uh, the one-sixth, one-sixth the scale of an average size human being. So question, I have not actually put eyes on these physically. So by way of instance, let's use Rogue One for example. If there's a one-sixth scale Jen Erso figure, and then there's a one-sixth scale K2SO figure, it stands to reason that the K2SO figure is going to be proportionally taller. Is that is that is that accurate? Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. So like your your one-sixth scale Jen Erso is probably not even going to come in at twelve inches. I mean, she may. It really depends on the accuracy that they're using for the line, because sometimes even the companies that are making these things can be a little wonky with their stuff mm-hmm. and not totally exact. The Jyn Erso will probably come in at, like, let's say, 11 or 11 and a quarter inches, if I had to guess. I don't have the Jyn Erso, but I know that, like, the, the Princess Leia from um, A New Hope is is not... I think she's, like, 11 inches or, like, 10 and three quarter inches. And then, like, your K2SO figure will probably be around 14 inches, you know, possibly even 15. Gotcha. Or maybe even, six, like, the, the Hulk, the Hulk hot toy is, I think, 16 inches tall. It's massive. I mean, totally mm-hmm. massive. So it's like, and that's something that's awesome. that I wouldn't even put that in my collection either. Well, first of all, I mean, I, I like Marvel. I like the Hulk and stuff, but I don't need, again, I'm real picky with my stuff that I have as far as, and now the house phone's ringing. The, um, I'm not a, <laughs> whatever, it's, it's fine. Um, I'm not a, a, again, I'm like, I try to stay as super picky as possible. And uh, the Hulk figure is just not going to fit in my uh my like where I have my collection set up, and I'm not going to make a specific mm-hmm. shelf just for him. So, no Hulk, he ain't making it. Sorry, buddy. You know you're, gotcha. you're too big. <laughs> well, I appreciate you clearing that up for sure because you know I've educated myself to a degree, but I'm still not 100% on all of those things, and some of it is a little hazy and nebulous, at least in my mind. So, I want to go back to the Red Cup review though, uh, and talk a little bit more about your show and what I've seen from it so far um, I think the last few times that I watched it you were showcasing the Mezco 112 line so is is that where you have your focus primarily or is it sort of a, a mix and match well I, I, it's it's a, a little bit of a mix and match it, with like some alright so it's pr- primarily Hot Toys mostly Mezco 112 collectible stuff and sprinkled in with other you know things here and there like uh, for instance as far as my personal collection goes, I stick with the Mezco 112 Collective because I just love the soft goods look because it also they also mm-hmm. kind of fit in with my Hot Toys. They're like six-inch versions of the Hot Toys, right? 
So I have my Hot Toys figures. I got the Mezco 112 Collective figures. Now, I started the Red Cup review after I already had a vast collection of Hot Toys, right? Now, I'm not also the type of person that has to get every new mm-hmm. thing. Like, look, they all look good. Every Hot Toy that comes out looks good. But again, I'm pretty much, like, <laughs> winding down my Hot Toy collection. Unless they come out with something like a... Uh, like a Piper from They Live, which they're probably not going to do. I'm hoping that Sideshow does that. Or like a, a set of Young Frankenstein uh, figures, which I'm sure they're not going to do. Um, I don't need to... Uh, I've been getting on Hot Toys lately and calling them um, like the Marvel Legends, like like Hot Legends or something, mm-hmm. because now all they do is just... Apparently everyone wants all the... Whatever's new. Whatever's new. Oh, the new you know, Aquaman movie, which I enjoyed the new Aquaman movie. Oh, the new Aquaman movie uh, figures are must-have. And it's like, how the hell is this thing a must-have if you haven't even seen the movie yet? Like, I know the figure looks cool, but they all look cool. So what are you going to have? A whole, like, you're going to have hundreds of $300 or $250 toys in your house without even... What if you go and see the movie and it's trash? I I happen to like that movie. It could go for anything. So to me, it's like I got to like the movie. I got to like where the figure comes from. Um, I did kind of break my rule recently where I put Darth Maul on pre-order for the Hot Toys, and uh, I actually hated the prequels. And um, I just the Darth Maul figure is, just looks too damn good. And after I yeah. put it in my collection and after I review it, because I gotta like I gotta also order things once in a while that I know are gonna get a lot of hits for the page. Uh, and I also happen sure. to really enjoy Star Wars, and I happen to actually like Darth Maul. He's one of the few things I did like about the prequel. So I'll order that, see where it fits in the collection. If it doesn't fit, you know, that's it. He go, I sell them, flip them, give them away, whatever. You know, it's like that. We'll cross that bridge when it comes to it. But um, Darth Maul is incredibly cool. Yeah, he just like cannot, he, he makes I for a really cool looking figure. Exactly. Like again, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. This could turn into a three-hour conversation on like <laughs> whether is he right. really. Cool? I mean, he looks great, but neither he. Well, we him. can always come back and and talk about that <laughs> at, a, at a later episode. I mean, I'm always always game to talk about Star Wars. Um, so when I've watched the reviews that you've done, I noticed that you you're so streamlined and you're so fluid and moving point to point. You obviously have given this a lot of your attention and you obviously love the figures. I mean, it's, it's very apparent in watching the program. So I'd like to ask you, what is it that you enjoy most about action figures? Okay. Well, before I address that, I'm just going to say as far as me, when I first started the red cup review and I knew next to nothing about editing and doing things with like, being able to do like the beginning of a review, the middle of a review, and then the end and clip things. I used to do the entire review in one shot. So I was doing like 10 to 15 mm-hmm. minute reviews with one take. And sometimes I would mess I up at the end of the take and then have to wheel it all the way back again. Plus I have a little bit of a mm-hmm. background in um, being up on stage in front of people. I used to be in a band. So uh, I'm used to like being in front of a crowd and kind of going and keeping it going and being sure. able to think on my toes. So... That's where, like, the fluidness comes from and being able to kind of, like, at its baseline, being able to bullshit pretty well for a consistent amount of time. But now that I know editing, it makes things, uh, life yeah. a lot easier. I'd consider that a pretty pretty uh, versatile life skill. Oh, yeah, no, totally. Not everybody could do that. I'm glad that I f- figured out how to do editing now because, damn, man, it takes a, it's definitely a lot easier being able to do the beginning, middle, and end of something that you have to go through the whole thing in one shot. Now you had what was the the question again? I know I kind of like like <laughs> oh, no, it's went fine. off on a tangent. What do you enjoy there? most about it? All right, so because I mean, you clearly love what you do. I'm a tactile type guy. I like to be able to. Uh, I'm the type of dude that's still gonna go out and buy a Blu-ray. 
I want to buy the comic book as opposed to having it digitally. I like to smell it, touch it, feel it, know that I own oh, it, yeah. have it Absolutely. in my hand. I don't need it existing, you know, because buddy at my job was like, why do you buy all these things? You could just look at pictures of them online. And he was like, and you'll have a lot more mm-hmm. room in your house. If you like something and enjoy it, just look at it. You're it's just not look. the same. It's not the same as being able to have it, right? So I also, um, uh, these guys from uh, this other YouTube page called Darth Castle, which are all just high-end statue collector guys. And some of them do six-scale stuff, too. I, I, I kind of run in their circle. I'm like the like part of like their B team, so to speak. Sure. And uh, they do, all do high-end statues. And they're like, yo, you need to get out of the six-scale game, and you need to come to the statue stuff. Now, the statue stuff is like one-fourth scale. I mean, those things are like, like if you were to stand up straight, they're massive. They're massive. They're like up to your knee, maybe even mid-thigh. That's ridiculous. I don't have room for that. Plus, as great as the statues look, <laughs> and you're not going to get anything that looks as cool as the statues because they're, they're made out of polyresin half the time or polystone, and they're like uh, mixed media, and the sculpts are like, you know, top, top freaking notch. However... They are sick, as the kids say. Yes, they are sick, but I like to be able to pose my stuff. Like a lot of guys, like, I got no time to be posing stuff. I want to take it out. Like, I do it like this, right? I, I got a pose I like. I put it in the cabinet. Now, every once in a while, I got to dust the figure off, right? So you take it out. You throw the dust rag down. And then you move it around. You pose it. It gives me an excuse to kind of have another setup. So every time you pose something differently, it makes for a new display. So I don't have to constantly go out and buy the newest <laughs> action figure or the newest hot toy. Right. I could just repose the ones that I have. And all of a sudden, my collection is new again. You know, now when you say repose, I hear play with action figures because that, <laughs> that's 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 exactly what I would be doing. Well, yeah, I mean, there's there's a little bit of um, there's a little bit of truth to that. I mean, I'm not sitting there actually going biff bang pow with them. I mean, that's what I got. Like, it, right. it, as far as playing with toys go, I have like my my boy Grayson. He's uh, seven years old. He's going to be eight soon. So I, like I said earlier in the show, we uh, he has all my Black Series and, and DC Universe Classics figures, and he has G.I. Joes and all this stuff, So all my old stuff. So he's now playing with that, and he's like, hey, Dad, like, can we play an action figure battle? So I still get to actually play with my mm-hmm. boy. So I get that like little part of me that still kind of lingers in the back of every collector. Sometimes we forget, like how to play with things like I notice myself sometimes looking at the action figure and just wanting to pose it put it on the shelf and enjoy it or make create like a cool looking scene but with my boy now Mm -hmm. I actually get to play with them and create storylines and all that other stuff so that's cool for that now as far as my high-end collectibles go when it comes to like reposing them I'm not really sitting there doing the whole biff bang pow thing with them you know as much as you know people like to you know a joke like yeah right behind the scenes this guy's pretty much you know probably sitting on the floor and is you know Superman under who's playing with his hot toys but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, it just uh, like for instance uh, like the Adam West Batman figure I'm looking at now from Hot Toys mm-hmm. there are so many iconic scenes that involved Adam West during the, the run of the course of that TV show that you can look at any given poster and put him in that pose you can have him doing the bat with like the the two um, the two fingers the forefinger and middle finger out like around his eyes as if he was dancing That's you can have awesome. him holding the bomb over his head you can have him just spreading his cape out kind of so some um, days you just can't get rid of a bomb that's right. Yes, exactly. So, um, and sometimes I just like to have my uh, my figures looking um, like sometimes you have them stand there all stoic and stuff, right? But sometimes I like having them in candid shots. Like I have my Iron Man uh, Robert Denny Jr. figure just sitting down eating donuts, drinking a coffee because I think that's just funny to see Iron Man doing that. <laughs> uh, I have my Blitzway Ghostbuster figures not posed with their their proton packs ready to shoot. I have them like posed smoking cigarettes, hanging out just 
bullshitting. You know, I just think mm-hmm. it's like a can- I, I set up like these little candid moments with uh, with my collection too from time to time. And you know that the whole idea behind collecting, getting back to the whole being a tactile person and wanting to see things too. I like walking into my room. Uh, my collect my collecting room is also my second living room, so I also mm-hmm. space is a big deal for me too. Even though I have a, a, a pretty decent sized house and I have a pretty decent sized man cave, but everything has to be in front of my couch. So when I'm sitting on my couch staring at my television, because that's basically the it's a living room. That's the you want to be able to be in that room. You just don't to me to have a collectible room where you just walk in, look at everything, and walk out doesn't give you an excuse to be in there. You need an excuse right. to be in the room that your collectibles are going to be in. So when I'm sitting on my couch, I have all my collectibles from my peripheral vision out in front of me and on the sides of the TV uh, where the TV is set up so I could see everything at once. So I'm watching the show. If a commercial comes on, I could always glance over and see all my stuff. And the whole idea behind actually having this stuff is is for inspiration. I used to buy... Right, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. I used to buy the DC Universe Classics figures, not just because of the reasons I gave earlier on the Marvel Legend figures, um... Because I, I let's face it, I enjoyed the stuff. I thought they were cool, but like I said, I used to be in a band, so I would set up like the Punisher, or Ghost Rider, and Wolverine on on my uh, my little bench there when I was in college, and I'd be writing for the, writing mm-hmm. the music. And I'm looking up, and I'm like, oh, damn, like what, what am I going to say? When I'm, I'm looking at the Punisher and Wolverine, and it's galvanizing me to come up with something. You know, it's kind of uh, inspiring me to 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 maybe push myself up to a standard that. Uh, that my, you know, Rob, the real Rob can't reach. I once um, said to a friend of mine, who's a, a best friend now, that uh, uh, sometimes I think in a certain situation, like what would Captain America do or what would Batman do? And he used sure. to tell me, and he was a collector too. He's a, he's a big comic guy too. And he would say, no, what is Rob going to do? Because Rob is real. And I would tell him, yeah, but Rob doesn't have all the answers. You know, Rob is fallible. You know, Superman, Batman, Captain America, they, from these stories that we grew up in reading, I can almost put it in my head like, all right, well, Rob would want to just punch the guy in the mouth. Or Rob would just say, <laughs> oh, screw this, I'm going to cut the guy off on the road. But Cap might do something different and something a right. little bit more noble, you know. And I think that that's where these stories and these this inspiration through the toys and the comics and the action, all this stuff, the movies, uh, a lot of people say, well, they're just movies, they're just movies. They're just it's just a toy. And it's like, yeah, it is just a toy, but not really. Because we wouldn't right. have things like with great power comes great responsibility. I know it's cliche to say now, but it's the it's the damn truth, man. Like it, it gives you uh everything I've ever learned from a sports figure, and I'm a big football guy. Sports figures are half the time, not all the time, but half the time they're drug addicts, they're womanizers, they're abusers and users. And we look up to these people. Not all of them are, but you know, most of the time they are. Right. We don't want Whereas, to make any blanket statements. We're not making blanket statements, but for the most part, let's face it. Like a lot of these guys, they're fallible humans. They do shit that just you know, from time. Sometimes they're they're pieces of shit, and sometimes they're just fallible people that make mistakes, as we all are. But when it comes to the comic stuff and the the the, the super heroics of a, of like Luke Skywalker you could try mm-hmm. to live up to that ideal and push yourself to that limit so even if you fall short which you will cuz you're human you could at least aspire to be something greater absolutely no i'm i'm with you 100% these things you know whether it be films comic books you know they represent so much more than just entertainment on a surface level and and having these things around me or, or collecting something that I really appreciate. I mean, like I said, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. It it motivates me. It inspires me. Uh, I was reading the um, 
The Man Without Fear. I was reading that for the first time uh, a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, whatever. And I was a few pages in, I was looking at some of the uh, the prefaces and introductions. And there's one uh, by Ralph Macchio. That's the comic Ralph Macchio, as you probably know. Um, the uh, There there was a, a entry that he had made and an excerpt from that was, uh, I'll paraphrase here, but he was saying that the world needs heroes um, who uh, whose whose stature you can emulate and uh, see to a higher purpose, and that just really jumped out at me. And I was like, "Yes, that that is it right there. That's the thing that I love so much about the Jedi or the Avengers." You know, because you're you're being entertained by these stories, or at least hopefully you're being entertained by these stories, but you know, at the, at the heart of all that, you're being worked on as a person, as a human being, hopefully you're being changed and, and your worldview is changing and, and your motivations are changing and you, and you try to be at least, at least for a short time, a better person. Yeah, totally. I mean, there are only a few real life people and examples that I would actually want in like hot toys for them, which I know they would never make, but like, I would love a, a George Washington. I'm a big patriot guy like I'm very patriotic um so I would want that I would want like a Buzz Aldrin I think that would be really cool um that would be very cool actually I would I would like a Ziggy Stardust I would like Kiss you know but <laughs> I'm uh, actually staring at David Bowie right now that's, that's awesome funny. see there you go I can't even see what you, <laughs> it's funny you're over there and whatever um but not that like Ziggy Stardust is like uh, uh you know lives up to these crazy ideals but as far I'm just talking in terms of like a re- he's a real person that really existed and I just think that what he was able to do with his life and career and stuff like that and I never met him I never met David Bowie but I just think his music is so awesome and, and inspiring that uh I wouldn't mind having a figure of, of him you know, and but, let's make a, an important distinction right now between Ziggy Stardust and David Bowie, because Ziggy Stardust, I think, may not represent all of the things that we were just talking about, but that was the point of that character, uh, which I think is is very cool, and I think that kind of um, bleeds into what we were talking about. Just just as an aside, yeah, that's great, man. Hell yeah, that, that, absolutely. I mean, uh, on the surface level, I think that a character like. Uh, like Ziggy Stardust, for example, or like I had mentioned Kiss. I mean, they basically look like real life superheroes. You know, like they right. got the makeup, mm-hmm. like the outfits. I, I'm, I'm, I'm into that as well. But larger uh, than life. Larger than life, exactly. But um, you know, Ziggy is kind of like he. He also has like that musician superhero-y thing. Uh, you know, isn't I, I, his story? He's like an alien that that came yeah. here to to try exactly. Like I, I was, it's been like a year and a half. I went back and and I bought that album, and I was just kind of oh, like, oh man, it's such a know, good album. Totally freaking blown away by it and stuff, you know. And somebody that's on on another more human level, someone that's actually able to reinvent himself over and over again. Like as as far as Bowie goes, like and really like reinvented himself, like a comic book character. Exactly, it's awesome. So I, I have to ask, um, but before we wrap this conversation up, something um, that's been on my mind and just personally trying to find a way to approach this style of collecting, uh, what sort of advice would you give to somebody who might be thinking about breaking into large format or, or premium action figure collecting? I mean, I know we uh, talked about some of those things earlier and you made some excellent points. Was there anything you would add to that? Yeah, don't get caught up in the hype train. Stay as far away from the hype train as possible. Less is more, 
realize to yourself that unless it's something that you absolutely have to have, don't get it. Everything looks good. Every freaking figure looks great. You know, uh, do you have to own them? Unless you're the world's biggest, I don't know, Bucky fan, right? Or Winter Soldier (laughs) fan. You don't need every iteration of the Winter Soldier um, my suggestion is to uh, to upgrade whenever you can. As far as like, okay, like if you like the new one, maybe sell the old one to get the new one. If you're really that enamored with it, uh, keep your collection clean. Maybe don't get into it at all because it's a it's a rabbit hole that will just spiral out of control. I see people <laughs> that are like, um, oh, I, I just started collecting hot toys last year and I have 14 of them. And it's like you went in a matter of a year and spent almost two thousand dollars on mm. like a, an action figure line. Now, unless it was like you had to go back and get things that you were like, "Oh, I didn't know about Hot Toys. I got to go back and get all this stuff." That to, in order to, but don't just buy to say, "Hey, look at my collection." That's to right. me is the biggest tragedy is for me to. Uh, see somebody that's collecting so that somebody else could appreciate their collection. That is actually that's an ex- excellent statement that you just made. You gotta be happy with what you. You know what I'm saying. You gotta be happy with what you have. Uh, in my little, um, I'm looking around my room right now. I have uh, um, a, a little mini Jets football helmet that I had signed by Sam Jones because Flash Gordon played for the New York Jets. You know what I mean? So right. like I, when I met Sam Jones, I had him sign that. Now, people might be like, the hell you have a Sam Jones sign helmet for? You didn't really play for the Jets. No, but in, in my crazy alternate reality, he did. You know what I mean? Right. Like as far as like the ether <laughs> goes. Uh, collect what you love and don't worry about what the next guy uh, likes, you know, or loves even. Um, for instance, I'm a huge Star Wars head. I love the original trilogy. I didn't get an Emperor figure. Because when it boils down to it, I'm sitting there talking to my seven-year-old, and I'm like, do we really need an emperor? And he's like, Dad, right. he's like an old guy that sits in a chair and shoots lightning. And I says, well, the lightning <laughs> part is cool. And he's like, yeah, no, he's cool and evil, but really Darth Vader's the the guy that you want right. to have. And I was like, you know what? You're right. I don't need an emperor. Even though I'm all in on the original series, it's just like I'm not going to go that extra mile just to have every figure. So collect what you like. Don't worry about what the next guy has because the next guy is going to have every figure or the next guy is going to have something that you're going to look at and say, really, you spent that kind of money on a Jar Jar Binks figure? Or maybe he's the right. world's biggest Jar Jar Binks fan. Who the hell knows? You know what I mean? Like, it is I what it is. I think that's excellent advice for many things, actually. But um, for collecting, I think that's wonderful. So thank you And stay very much focused. That's that. another – I'm a big proponent of staying focus stay the course don't get sidetracked with like all right like you're um let's say you're on the las vegas strip right or you're like driving down like i-95 right like you're you're, you're driving from new york to florida down 95 and there are all these like crazy signs like on do. the side of the road buy this come stop here but let's say you just want to eat some denny's right like you're like oh i'm looking for a denny's and then you see all these other signs for different food places that are wetting your palate and getting you excited stay the course Go get your moons right. over Miami. You know what I'm saying? Don't worry about what what the signs are telling you to do. Go get what your heart's telling you to do. Gotcha. Now that's that's awesome, and provided an excellent mental picture. So I appreciate that as well. Um, I do have one thing that I want to ask you. I, I have one last question for you. Um, but before we move to that, would you mind telling everyone where they can find you on social media and where they can find the Red Cup review? Yes. Excellent. Um, all right, so type in Red Cup Review under YouTube, right? Like, that's, it, that's, the page is big enough now where the, the, it's going to come up. I'd appreciate 
uh, any likes, uh, comments, and follows on that is possible. Obviously, we're always trying to build our subscriber base up. And I promise you guys, if you're listening to this show, you're going to enjoy the Red Cup review, especially the Saturday Night Live show where we do total live interaction with the people that are in the chat room. And I, I answer people's questions. We go back and forth. I got a lot of other people on. I'm just recently starting to get um, some... I'm working to get some like semi-famous industry people on as well, so that you know, hopefully, it'll, it'll be in the uh, the cards to come. So you got the Red Cup review on YouTube right now. As far as Instagram and Twitter goes, it's at official Red Cup review. So um, again, at official Red Cup review on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And Facebook also has a Red Cup Review community. So there's official Red Cup Review, which is my page. That's the page where, like, it makes it... I tell everybody to go there if they're just on Facebook because they'll get all the updates about every uh, review that's coming out or live show or anything else. Now, the official Red Cup Review community is a community page where if you're part of the Red Cup Review family... You can go to the Red Cup Review community, join that page, and that's a chance for people to post their own collections. That's for, like, people to say, hey, look what I got, look what I picked up, look at what this is coming out, hey, Rob, have you seen this? And for the people to kind of interact with each other, like, it's not about just coming to me, like, to see Rob in the Red Cup Review. You're coming, as, like, the community is about you guys interacting with each other. So you have the official like Red folk. Like-minded folk, exactly. So you have the official Red Cup review on Facebook, Instagram, and, tw- Instagram and Twitter, excuse me, and just <laughs> Red Cup review on YouTube. Yep, definitely check it out, guys. You will not be disappointed. And I am actually embarrassed to, not that you don't know this already, but embarrassed to say I haven't dropped in for one of your Saturday night shows, but that is definitely going to happen. I make it a personal priority. I am committing to you, Rob. It's awesome, man. And if anybody that's listening to the show, that's not just like, look, you come by as a casual fan. You, you not only, I, you know, I hate using that word. It just slips. It's, it's like uh, Freudian slips uh, as part of the family because the Red Cup review. I don't. There, there are no fans of the Red Cup review. The Red Cup review is a, is a, is a damn community because without the community, I wouldn't have a reason to do this. The guy that helps me do the Red Cup review live described it best during I believe our second or third live show and he was like oh this is like a modern day cheers here we are all older guys and we're going to the bar on Saturday night to kind of interact and see the fellas but this is like a virtual bar where we get to go (laughs) and lounge and kind of like catch up with each other and do the whole oh what did you see this week and what movie's coming out did you see this trailer so it's like a that's why it's like more like a family. It's like, oh, I'm going to, like, you know, sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name with the Red Cup Review. You show up often enough, people will start recognizing you and knowing your name. You know what I mean? That's awesome. That is awesome. Definitely check it out, guys. I do have one last thing for you, Rob. Um, and I, this hasn't necessarily become a traditional question, but it is one that I'm um, finding it more and more interesting to ask. I want you to tell me about the one that got away. Tell me about that one piece or collectible that you lost or sold and you now regret not having it in your collection. All right. Well, I thought about this over the last um, uh, week or two, and they're, it's weird. I don't just collect action figures, right? I collect uh, – and, and uh, again – I'm not the collector that has to collect like the collector in the Marvel Universe. I have to have everything. I don't just collect just to have them catch dust. I collect, put it on my shelf. Sometimes I collect art prints or I collect CGC uh, comics that I, I put on the wall so I can actually enjoy them. They don't just go and sit in a bin. Um, 
So as far as things that got away, as far as a toy that has gotten away, none really. I mean, I, I skipped on the Batman Returns Keaton version because I was like, you know what? I only need one Keaton Batman in my collection. I went with the original 89 because I had him to go along with the joke, Jack Nicholson Joker figure. But now mm-hmm. I do like that outfit better, and I kind of wish I didn't skip out on that one. Uh, but it's not so much as the one that got away because I kind of got everything that I've wanted because if there's something that, I, that I've missed out on, I'll just save for it. I'll put $20, $30 in a jar and then eventually I'll just grab it or I'll, I'll find it. However, as far as like uh, art prints go, mm-hmm. there was a Mondo art print. Uh, there's a, a, a guy, um, Tom Whalen, that does Mondo art prints. And back in, I think, about seven or eight years ago, he did an art print for the Superpowers line. Again, you can see how much I was into that, that old Superpowers line. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was a big, big poster of all the Superpowered uh, guys facing off with each other, done in his art style. And it was so damn nice. Even the wife was like, yo, I'll put that in the living room. I don't even care. Like, that's how, how freaking nice it was. And right before we did this show, I actually went on eBay just to say, let me check and see if it's there. And there's actually one available. Now, mm-hmm. trying to bring the conversation full circle, it's up for 300 um, excuse me, three hundred uh, uh, or best offer, and I believe it was like originally like a hundred bucks. And I thought to myself, you know what? Uh, it got away, and it, it's it's just going to stay away now because my 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 collection is always evolving. So it, for right. the last seven years, I was like, damn, I can't wait to get my hands on this. Here I am now with an opportunity to get my hands on it, and I'm like, you know what? Maybe it just wasn't meant to be. As nice as it was, and it was the one that got away for such a long time, I was all right with letting it go. There was another wow. piece. Uh, I think I'm looking at it right now, actually, and that is, I, I love that Mondo stuff. Is yeah, I, I absolutely love that That, that It's style. got the heroes on the left side, the villains on the right, yep, that's Green it. Lantern front and center. Yep. yep that is awesome. That's I it. love it, that stuff. I like that art style, too. Some of my favorite artists are like Darwin Cook and Dave Bullock. I like that old Art Deco, um, DC New Frontier type style. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a big uh, Silver Age head as far as like artwork. I love the work of um, uh, Dick Sprang's Batman just because I like the, the the nostalgia and happiness and true heroicism that it represents. You know, sure. uh, there was a, a, a comic piece. I also here's a quick little tidbit. One of my favorite movies of all time. I'm a big Andrew Dice Clay head. And one of my favorite movies of all time was this movie called The Adventures of Ford Failing that not a lot of people know about. <laughs> uh, actually, one of my favorite movies of all time. And uh, about two years ago, uh, an actual comic book page from the DC's uh, Adventures of Ford Failing went up. The original actual art page used uh, went up on eBay. And I contacted a friend of mine who also happens to be a big fan. Uh, and I says, uh, look what, look what's up on eBay, man. You think I should get it? It's like 120 bucks." He was like, dude, he goes, if you don't get this, you're going to be kicking yourself in the ass for the rest of your life. You're the only friggin' maniac when it comes to this guy. You got to get it. So I went and got it. And I'll, every time I get to come into my man cave, I look at it going, you know what? It was almost the one that got away. And thank <laughs> God. Thank God my friend was like, wake up, buddy. Smacking me in the face. Like, wake up. Buy the damn thing. Or you'll regret it. So I'm kind of happy I did. So, uh, so that, that's, you know, that's not that's necessarily awesome. the stuff that got away. But, you know, neither here nor there. It's pretty much yeah. the best stories I can come up with. Near miss. Yeah, I don't even know if... God, and I was just about to say, kids today, if they know Andrew Dice Clay. Um, So, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening and you haven't been introduced to the human wonder that is Andrew Dice Clay, (laughs) then 
I strongly recommend or or don't recommend. I guess that could really go either way. Uh, but it's 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 it'll be a, a curio nonetheless. But my, hopefully um, you'll enjoy it. My 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 like for Andrew Dice Clay goes beyond just the nursery rhymes and the foul mouthedness. He's a New Yorker, you know. He's from right. Brooklyn. I'm from the Bronx. Uh, we have similar mentalities. Not the character that he plays on stage, but that uh, kind of balls to the wall, no nothing attitude. Just say it if it comes to your mind. Be as real as possible. Obviously, the guy he plays on stage is a caricature. Uh, fell right. in love with him. My mother was in love with him, so I actually wasn't necessarily. This wasn't a great idea for a parent to expose their young kid to dice at such an <laughs> early age. But um, you know, I was always told like, "Hey, listen, you know, was, look, I come from an Italian household. You know, there was everyone cursed. You know, everyone was fa- a foul-mouthed person at the dinner table. Just if the kid spoke out of line, they got smacked. So you knew better." Uh, Dice actually, uh, uh, he kind of got semi-blackballed from the business d- right after the Ford Failing came out in the early 90s, right around the time he had his first uh, child. And then he actually stepped away from the business to raise his kids. And a mm-hmm. lot of haters will turn around and say, oh, it's because he couldn't get any work at the time or because of uh, the way his character was and it was kind of being phased out. But I actually look up to him as far as because I follow him on social media and I'm like, this is a dude that's a family man first. He does a lot of stuff with his kids. I give him all the credit in the world instead of like being one of those washed up comedians or washed up actors that kind of threw the towel in. He actually took a step back and went and became a really good family man and uh, raised from what I could see as two upstanding citizens and his kids. And he's been on the comeback trail ever since he's done his stuff with Woody Allen. He was in The Star is Born. He plays an excellent role in every movie he's in as far as oh, not... Oh, that a- is what I saw. I, when he popped the, the Star is Born, I, I remember somebody mentioning Andrew Dice Clay. And I was like, what? Yeah, he plays Lady Gaga's <laughs> dad in the movie. And he just... He just he's I'll not Dice. He's just the character. And he does a great right. job in it. And uh, being that he's from New York, I kind of have like that little... Um, you know, like I feel like we're—I don't feel like we're connected, but there's a connection there. You know? Yeah. No, I understand. I'm—I'm I'm the same way, and it's so funny because I, I try to stay somewhat logical and think, you know, in, in a rational sense. But you know, um, whenever I see that a band, for example, is uh, has gotten big or is enjoying success, that's from where I'm from. I'm just like, yeah, yeah. You feel <laughs> you know? good for like, it, right? You get like yeah. that. It's um. The uh like like a song right that mentions like let's say your name is uh Frankie right and then it's like you hear though when Bon Jovi says Frankie says I did it my way but obviously we know that he's talking about Frank Sinatra but everyone right. that's now named Frankie has to say that out loud whenever the friggin' song comes on or feel right. you know it's it's just little things like that you know yeah man well hey I I really appreciate you taking the time out of your Saturday to uh to do this. Uh, with me and for the Sleeping Giant podcast, I know that it's not always easy to do that, and I've I've really enjoyed hearing you tell these these stories uh, behind some of the things that you're doing, and it's it's just been awesome, Rob. That's awesome, man. I really appreciate it. Again, everybody, go check out the Red Cup review. I promise you guys, you're not gonna be disappointed. I can't say that. Yeah. You know, I know everyone says it. Oh, I got the best this, the best that. We all know everyone's the best. Everyone's the star of their own movie. I'm telling you guys, you won't be disappointed. Right. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's the truth. I I don't necessarily have my finger on the pulse, but I do I do like to spend time checking out what other people have got going on, what projects they're working on, and you know, I, I'm definitely not being disparaging of anybody else when I say when I checked out the Red Cub review, I was like, that's it, that's on. 
I, I can dig this. And I do. That's awesome, man. I can't tell you how much. Uh, well, that's, you know, listen, man, it's uh, utmost appreciation. Sleeping Giant Podcast. Come on. We got to build this thing up, too, man. It's, <laughs> I was waiting for the Godzilla roar to yeah. come in. I'm like, Sleeping Giant, when I first heard this, so I'm waiting for the foot stomps, you know. But no, uh, we're getting there, man. We're getting there. It's it's a little bit more subtle, I guess, that that whole thing. But now that I'm up and moving around and actually doing this thing more often, maybe I should consider a name change. I don't know. Well, I know. I tell you what, the the last episode you guys did was was out of this world. I really love the the whole oh, X Men thing, and and that's a, it was another big cartoon I had growing up. And you know, we spoke about that in the green room, which is great. Yeah, man, I I appreciate that. I had. Uh, just such a, a fun time doing that. That was actually, I think I mentioned it in the show, that was supposed to have been the first episode. So I'm glad that it finally, two years later, you know. Got, yeah, it's, that's how things done. work, man. You know, you never know, like, uh, you have something planned and then it just gets getting pushed back and rearranged. Yeah. But that's part of life, man. You know, it was just not meant to be then and it, you know, it was then. Well, hey, Rob, once again, man, thanks so much. And uh, I hope that we can do this again. Thank you so much for having me, man. I can't uh, tell you how much I appreciate you to giving your time to me on this wonderful Saturday morning. And uh, everybody else that's listening out there, I hope to see you guys on the Red Cup Live on Saturday nights. That's 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, uh, pretty much every Saturday. Uh, or as, you know, look, that's what you got the Facebook fa- page for, right? To catch yep. the updates. So News we'll and see updates. you then. Hell yeah, Rob. Thanks, boss. Later, man. One more huge thanks to Rob of the Red Cup Review for taking time out of his day off to record with me here. I'm a working man with a family as well, so I can certainly appreciate the preciousness of every moment not dedicated to work work. Those were air quotes, by the way. Yep. So, yeah, make sure you check out the Red Cup Review on YouTube and throw Rob a like and a subscription. I follow Rob on Instagram personally. And just a reminder, you can find the Red Cup Review on Instagram at Official Red Cup Review. Be sure to check him out on Facebook as well if that's more your style. That's another show, folks, and I say thank you. If you've enjoyed last month's episode, I think that you're really going to dig our next episode because we're going to get to talk even more X-Men with Brian Byerly of the Marvel Mythos Podcast. I'm thrilled, y'all. In, in the meantime, feel free to catch up on the first season of the classic 1992 X-Men animated series because... We're diving back into that old chestnut. I'd also like to join Brian's campaign of increasing the readership of 2018's X-Men Red. So, if you happen to get an opportunity to read it, I'm sure that we're going to discuss it at some point in the next show. So, hopefully if you haven't read it before the show, you'll you'll not be able to resist afterwards. Anyway, once more, I've been your host, Grayson Parker Marcotte. Thank you for listening to the Sleeping Giant Podcast. Until next time, y'all.